technical issue up there. So if I stay down here, it'll make it a little easier for you to see behind me. Is that okay? So shall we pray? Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to share from your word. And we bless you, Lord, and we, we ask as we look at your word today, would you please help us to understand and to take hold of what it is that you're saying to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're, we're journeying in the book of Esther. We're asking pertinent questions. We're saying, Lord, how does this impact me today? Remember last week we gave quite a, a, a background to the whole thing. Well, today we pick up the story okay, where Mordecai has just saved the life of the king. He's uncovered the plot and saved the king's life. And blow me down, some other guy gets the promotion. And it's so difficult for him. And then this other guy called Haman, who gets the promotion, suddenly decides that he wants to create a genocide and to kill all the Jews in the land. And so a date is set for that. Can you imagine just thinking that someone is going to kill you on a certain date that was yet to come, just how difficult that must be. Well, there are things that happen in our society that make it difficult. I mean, how many of us remember, for example, what happened on the 9-11 attack? Let's just take a look. We've got a picture here of the 9-11 attack. Can you remember where you were? Can you remember what happened on that day when the Twin Towers were attacked? Do you remember how you felt when we saw that new level of barbarism coming into our, our world? And how sad it's been since then that we see more and more of that. Or what about the London bombings of 7-7, as we come to, to call them? Do you remember where you were when that happened? And all those people lost their life? Sometimes it, it gets a little closer. Let me take you back to 1979 where I was when there was an actual bombing. I was actually there when that bomb exploded. Terrifying situation. Absolutely sucks the life from you. The terror that comes knowing that there are people intending to kill you. It's a horrible, horrible feeling. And that's exactly what's going on for Esther and Mordecai and all the Jewish people living in Persia at this time. They know that there's, there are people there who are going to kill them on a certain day at a certain time. And it's coming no matter what. Nothing apparently can stop this coming. Now we might have felt some sorrow and some heartache, maybe even some anger when we look at these sort of pictures. Can you imagine what it must have been like for Esther and for the Jewish people at that time? These pictures are but a small indication of the terror that a whole group of people were feeling. And as in the case of all of our lives, the sun doesn't shine every day. My wife will attest to that since we moved back to Scotland. <laughs> as she reminds me every morning. And by the time we pick up our story today in chapter 3 of the book of Esther, the sun certainly is not shining for the Jewish people 
in the land of Persia at this time. Well, what can we learn that will, that will help us? Well, we're dealing with a man called Haman who has blustered his way into the king's favor. He's a liar. He's a cheat. He's an egotist. He's a megalomaniac. He's out to feather his own nest. And he's really good at it. And he's got to the top of the tree. He's been appointed by the king of Persia as his chief advisor. He has the ear of the king. And one day, he decides that everyone must now bow down as he passes by. See, when we get so full of our own self-importance that we genuinely believe we're better than other people, that's the sort of evil that worms its way into our hearts. When we genuinely believe that somehow others should pay us more respect than they do, evil like that worms its way into your heart. When you think that you're better than someone else, and somehow they should acknowledge that constantly, there is an evil worming its way into our heart. Now, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of affirmation from time to time. If I was to come along to Sheena there and say, hey, what you just did, that was really great. There's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with saying, well, thank you. I appreciate that. I feel pretty good about that. That's perfectly normal behavior to do that. But if someone says, unless you do that to me every time, then there's something very wrong happening in such a person's heart. So in Esther chapter 3, verse 5 to 6, this is what we, we read. When Haman saw that Mordecai would not bow down or show him respect, he was filled with rage. He'd learned of Mordecai's nationality, so he decided it was not enough to lay hands on Mordecai alone. Instead, he looked for a way to destroy all the Jews throughout the entire empire of Xerxes. Throughout the entire empire of Xerxes. He had an issue with one man, and now all of a sudden, it's all of those people. But we see this in our human condition all the time. To be controversial, we saw this on the streets of Glasgow yesterday, with people marching for a religious cause that is not their own. Orangemen marching for a cause they don't own. How many of those people are followers of Jesus, and yet condemning other people. Such hypocrisy, even in our times today. How many of us here have looked at others and have just been so critical of them because they're different from us? Well, with Haman, his problem was that he was an Amalekite descendant. And he knew that Mordecai was a Jew. And you go back far enough in your history and you'll clash with the king of the Amalekites and King Saul where Saul put their king to death. And that, hundreds of years before event, was still rooted in his mind and he could not get past that. Where did that come from? That's learned behavior. That's passed down through the generations. He got that from his parents who got that from their parents who got that from their parents and such hatred was kept alive we've got to guard our hearts 
against this kind of prejudice. Or it will, it will become an evil that takes root. Learned behavior can be a very, very difficult thing. Let me show you a little picture of learned behavior. Here are some children from the Hezbollah group who are children. Look how young they are and look at the hatred that's been put into those kids' faces by their parents and by the society around them. Taught to hate the Jews. Taught to kill the Jews. Haman and his attitude is very much alive in our world today. We have to guard our hearts, brothers and sisters, that we do not let evil take root in there. That evil comes in many forms. In Esther chapter 3, verse 7 to 8, we read this. So in the month of April, during the twelfth year of King Xerxes' reign, lots were cast in Haman's presence, and the lots were called Purim, to determine the best day and month to take action. And the day selected was March, nearly a year later. Are you getting the severity of this? Nearly a year, nearly 12 months hence, you're all going to die. That's the message that's going out across the kingdom. Then Haman approached King Xerxes and said, There's a certain race of people scattered throughout all the provinces of your empire who keep themselves separate from anyone else, their laws are different from those of other people, and they refuse to obey the laws of the king. So is it not in the king's interest? Uh, so it is not in the king's interest to let them live. What an evil is in this man's heart. Messengers are sent throughout the entire 127 provinces of his kingdom, stretching from Persia to the Upper Nile. Massive area. This message goes out. You see, my friends, what do you do when your heart aches that bad that you can't find any peace? That you're so terrified of what's happening? Well, the good news is simply this. We do not have to be afraid. We are the people of God. And if we walk with God, we do not have to be afraid of the terror that lurks at night. The high point in the story of Esther, is that how she and the people responded to this threat against their very existence. Yesterday on the news, main news, we're told the church is dying in Scotland. Two-thirds of our population don't believe in God. That's a mission field. That's good news. That should get us motivated. That means there's more people to share Jesus with. Let's get that message out there. Let's not sink into terror that somehow things are going to disappear. They are not going to disappear. We are going to go from strength to strength because our God goes before us and we are following Him. Someone say, Amen. Amen. Whatever it is that makes you feel threatened, ask yourself, what do I fear? What is it? that I'm fearing. What breaks your heart? Whatever it is, God is bigger than that situation. And He is working ways for you to effectively follow Him to a better place. 
So here's how we heal heartache. The first thing we do, are you ready for this? Nudge someone, make sure they're still awake, because this is important. The first thing we do is we reject the diagnosis of fear that the world has just given us. We reject it. Are you hearing me? You won't get any good news on the news. Good news doesn't sell. Reject the message of fear that this world has given you. We reject that. We want a second opinion. Am I right? You want a second opinion. If I went to a doctor and he gave me some very bad news, trust me, I'd go for a second opinion. Would you? I really would. Fear must not and should not dominate the people of God. How many of us are sitting here today crippled with a fear of something? More than you probably imagine. Whatever it is, we need to learn that fear is one of the devil's biggest tools for immobilizing people and causing heartache. We reject that diagnosis and we want a second opinion. We want to talk to Dr. Jesus. We want to hear what he has to say about the situation. My Bible tells me that perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love. I only know one source of perfect love, and his name is Jesus Christ. When we connect with Jesus, fear is driven from our life. Mordecai publicly showed his displeasure with Haman's plot. And he began a period of fasting and praying to God for help. He rejected the situation and he went to God and asked for God's intervention. How many of us are sitting here today and we're struggling with something in our life that's overwhelming? Absolutely overwhelming. And fear is taking root in our life. I challenge you, reject that and go to God for intervention in your situation. All things are possible, Jesus says. Only believe. Whatever it is, dear friends, that threatens your spiritual, your emotional, your relational, your mental, or your physical well-being, you've got to reject a diagnosis of fear. Don't give your problems so much credence. Turn your eyes on Jesus. Sometimes our, our heartaches are, are actually magnified because we inflate our fears instead of defeating them. Someone once said, faith is daring the soul to go beyond what the eyes can see. Let me say that again. Faith is daring the soul to go beyond what the eyes can see. That's really important. Are you so preoccupied with what you have that you've lost sight of what can be? Are we? Are we so preoccupied with what we have or don't have that we've lost sight with what can be? All things are possible. Only believe. That's what he asks us to do. And overcoming your fear is your first step to healing in our life. Now, in 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, Paul writes this, 
For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. He hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Are you hearing me, church? Why don't you say that to someone next to you? He has not given you a spirit of fear. Go on, say it to someone next to you. Even if they're all emotionally wrapped up and don't do things like this in public. Say it to someone. It's important. Tell them. He has not given you a spirit of fear. He's given you a spirit of love and power and self-discipline. That's our God. That's who He is. Isn't that wonderful? Paul talks of the contrast between a fearful spirit and a fearless spirit. You getting me? Between a fearful spirit and a fearless spirit. There's such a contrast. That is night and day we're talking about. Which do you have today? Do you have a fearful spirit? Or do you have a fearless spirit? Mordecai had a fearless spirit. He went to God and rejected the diagnosis that this king had proclaimed would happen to him and to his people. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation. He said, the world will hate you because it hated me. It will persecute you because it persecuted me. And then he goes on to say this, beautiful words. Are you ready? Just make sure someone's ready. Make sure everybody's ready. This is life changing. You getting this? Here it comes. He says, fear not, little flock. It's Father's goodwill to give you his kingdom. I'm going to say it again, right? Just in case you didn't get a hold of it. Fear not, little flock. It's the Father's goodwill to give you his kingdom. Isn't that amazing? That is incredible. It is the will of God that we are kingdom people. It is the will of God that we are connected with them. And this blessing is flowing. It is the will of God that we are successful people. It is the will of God that our lives thrive. Fear not, little flock. That's your Father's will. Winston Churchill said, in the midst of the Second World War, and I quote, If a person turns their back on fear, hoping that by avoiding it, it would go away, the fear will double and keep gaining strength. If fear is faced promptly and directly, its power will be cut in half. There was much to fear in the world when he wrote that, when he made that speech. What fear are you giving more credit to than God? Haman's plot to murder the Jewish people was indeed a cause for concern. But there's no way God was going to let that happen. Because God keeps his promises. God said in, in Genesis 12, look at this. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt and all the families on earth will be blessed through you. That's a promise of God for the Jewish people. There is no way God is going to renege on his promises. We heard it said earlier, Bob said it in our worship time, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Hebrews 13, verse 8. Fear not, little flock. It's Father's goodwill to give you his kingdom. He never changes our God. 
Whatever it is that's driving you up the pole with fear, stop it. Reject that diagnosis. Ask God to intervene. And let's see things change. You know, dear friends, Jesus insists that there's no detail of our lives, no matter how small, of which he is not aware. We've got to give our fears less credit and give our God more glory. That's so important. We need to not just reject the diagnosis of fear, we need to also re-examine our attitude about testing. Years ago I had had caused to have a, a battery of tests in a hospital. And I was poked and prodded in just about everywhere you can be poked and prodded with just about everything you can poke and prod a person with. That was certainly a testing experience. And I remember on one occasion praying, I hope this doctor and nurse never comes to the church because I could not look them in the eye with what's just happened. But that's what tests are about. They're for checking out all sorts of different areas in our situation. And so it is in the spiritual too. And we look to Jesus for attitude. Jesus says in John 16:33, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, but you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart. I've overcome the world. Not might overcome the world, not could overcome the world. I have overcome the world. And every time we give in to our fear, we are trying to deny that great truth. He has overcome the world. We can run into people like Haman all the time. There are people out there who just want to find fault in everything that happens. There are people out there who just constantly, constantly want to take issue with your devotion to God. Or the way you do something. Or the way you worship. Or the version of the Bible you read. Or the way you dress. They're always finding issue with things. There are Hamans everywhere out there. And the root of that Trace it back and you will find some incident of hurt that happened in that person's life and they have carried that all the way forward to today and that's why they are the bitter person they are. They have allowed an evil to worm its way in there. Reject that. Reject that. Let's hear what Jesus has to say on the situation. Dear friends, one of the big parts of our dealing with these kind of headaches and heartaches, is attitude, it's psychological. That's why Paul says, renew your thinking. Let your mind be as that of Christ. Change your thinking. Reject all this stuff and go to Jesus. That's exactly what Mordecai was doing here in the book of Esther. Well, we can learn some lessons just in closing here this morning. We'll continue next week and go a little deeper. We can learn from three people this morning. We can learn from Mordecai, 
And from him we learn that we must never forget there will always be someone who will resent your devotion to the Lord. Always someone who's criticizing you. Always someone who's critical of what you do. Always someone who speaks a negative word into your experience. We can learn. Reject that. Go to God and have him intervene. Secondly, we can learn from Haman. We learn to never underestimate the diabolical nature of revenge and understand that a lack of forgiveness will poison a life. Deal with the root causes and have God cut them out and bring healing into our life. And from Xerxes the king, we can learn that we must never overestimate the value of your own importance. This guy was full of himself. And yet so blind to the truth before him. God is a planning God. And he always has a plan. God's grace is always greater than your deepest circumstances. Always. He is a planning God. Let me end by, by saying this to you. Paul says in Galatians 1 and 10. He says, am I trying to win the approval of men or of God? That's what he says. Am I trying to win the approval of men or of God? I don't know. Are you trying to win the approval of men or of God? I made a statement on the, the very first night I was with you, and I hold to that statement. I am not here to please a crowd. I'm here to serve a king. That is my life statement, and I stand upon it. I am not here to please a crowd. I'm here to serve a king. And we must take a stand on great truths like this. Am I trying to win the approval of men or of God? Paul asks. I don't know the secret to success, friends, but I know the key to failure, and that's trying to please everyone. We will fail every time when we do that. There's only one person we strive to please, and that is our Father in Heaven. So let us end today with... Romans 8 and 28. And I want us to say this together. Are you ready? And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Right. Terrible. So this part of the room, I want you to face in that way. And I want you to read that to them. Are you ready? One, three. I want you to read that to them. One, two, three. And you guys, I want you to read that to this side of the hall. And I want you to do it loud. Are you ready? One, two, three. Now, you guys here, I want you to tell everybody this great truth on three. Are you ready? One, two, three. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and according to His purpose for them. So, Father, help us never to lose sight of this great truth. Help us as we read through the book of Esther to see these truths that can help us 
and change our life today. In Jesus' name, amen.